0: hi everyone
1: uh just gonna be waiting for people to join and for my speakers to come up but thank you so much for joining um we were supposed to have the space yesterday but i do not watch football and it only clicked that it was at the same time that the world cup was happening and I, like, honestly, I wasn't about to compete with the World Cup. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, i married in a platonic marriage and 100% recommend that everybody get married to, like, your soulmates who are not cis-het men, <laughs> honestly, uh, and my wife is one of the speakers. Hi, baby.
2: Hi, baby. Hi, everyone.
1: How's your day going?
3: It went okay. I slept for half of it.
1: <laughs> I guess so. I get you. I've been trying to sleep, but I'm like in baking mode. Oh, shit. I have cake. <laughs> you know, I'm about to burn my cup. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway... <gasps> Okay, thank you for joining. I think uh, Tendai is here, and I'm just waiting for everybody else to join. Hi, Tendai. Tendai, can you hear us? Or oh, you're still joining? Yeah, I can hear
4: you now. I've, I've managed. Can you hear me? Yes,
1: definitely. Okay. Um. Uh, so. Basically, hi everyone. So, the reason why we thought of doing this space, right, is uh, we had like a feminist brunch very recently, right? And our theme was Sex in the City. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Sex in the City, and I'm not talking about the movies because there's a complete difference between the movies and the series. If you watched, if you haven't watched the series, please after this space go and look for it and start watching it. You'll love it. I know it's a bunch of white women, and we want to watch more black-centered stuff. But just like, just give it a try for Samantha's sake, just for Samantha's sake. But anyway, um, basically, for those who don't know what Sex in the City is, it's like a show that follows these four women in their forties, right? Sorry, in their thirties, and almost every Saturday they meet up for brunch and they talk about their sex lives, right? About who they're dating and all those things. And so that's what we kind of like wanted to do. But we dress up and we have a space for where feminists just come together, we're drinking, we're eating, and we're talking about sex. And it was just like an amazing space. It just reminded us of how like, it's so important to talk about sex with your female friends and I even include even your like queer friends, right? Because the things you will get to learn about your own body, about your own sex life, about the people you're dating, how to be a better you, how to have more orgasms. Honestly, it's better than anything you will ever get from anywhere. And take this from someone who grew up reading News and Boons novels. Like, those things lie to you. Like they lie to you. Because these authors need to be arrested, honestly, for the lies that they give in Muse and Boons books. I don't know about you guys at Tendai and Mwangi. did you ever like, did you ever get any advice from like these uh what's this Mules and Boons books? Because the first thing I can think of is how they glamorize and I hate using this word, but virginity or debut sex, right? how they basically glamorize that and how they make it into this very sexual, sweet experience or very hot experience. And yet some of us did not have that experience when we are you know, having sex for the very first time. So, Mangi and Tendai. You
4: know, know, I'm laughing right now because when you bring up like Males and Bones and the Harley Quinn novels, I grew up on that. And it was sort of what I was uh, expecting going into like having sex for the first time. And for me, it was just all over the place. Like everything was just all over the place. I didn't know what was happening half the time. And after it was over, I was just like, is this, is this all like, are we done? What about everything I read about, you know? So it was, it was very disappointing because I'll tell you honestly, like, The advice or anything I thought it would be going into having sex for the first time was definitely from those books. Of course, it was way after I had stopped reading the books. But, you know, my mind was still stuck on what would happen and how it would be this special thing and how everything is so sexual. Look, they mention it being uncomfortable for like a second. And then everything after that is just like all good. And it's just like a breeze. I was so, so disappointed.
1: No, listen, I get you. Because the first time I had sex, I feel like I was one of those people who was limping after it. I don't know if his dick was too big or he was too rough. I really don't know. Not limping. I was legit limping. (laughs) (laughs) No, because, you know, that's another thing, right? This is like one thing about sex, right? You think someone has a big dick the first time you have sex with them, specifically if you're younger, right? Mm -hmm. And in your head, if it's your first time or this is when you're really getting into sex... In your head, you build it up for years. Like, oh my God, he had such a big dick. He had such a big dick. Then you meet him years later, and then somehow you fall on the dick, and you're like, this is not what I remember. Where is it not as big as before? Do you guys never experience that? How about you, Mwangi, and your meals and experience? Um,
3: Well, my experience, I feel like
1: the... Is
3: it a genre, can I call it that, the one that I was really stuck on reading was that the tycoon and the wats, the the billionaire and the wats and the unwilling virgin and all of that. So there wasn't really like any lessons on sex. It was like, it's always... um, It was always shown as something that this this, this all powerful man is going to come and will take from you whether you want it or not and then eventually you're going to fall in love and then one day he will look at you and he will look at the baby that he gave you by force and he's going to realize that oh he actually likes you and just doesn't see you as yeah no there was no lessons there but um I had my first experience when I was quite young. So I think I also I wasn't happy. I went home and like you know, I don't know if you know that that thing that um, people will say that your parents want to start having sex. More. So when I went home, I was so afraid I'm going to look at how i had sex today and now we are grown, get out of this house. So it's just yeah, really, really <laughs>
1: You know at this entire time? I thought I was on mute. I just hope no one heard me like crying at my cupcakes. But I totally get that, right? And how like I remember the one like Muse and Boone's book that sort of like got my attention for the longest time is okay, you know what this one was really good. Or maybe it was really good because then I was thinking right? So it's called The Italian's Wife very much a what's a cinderella type of story right where this man is this tycoon right and he's about to die then he tells like uh this guy who he's been grooming to like take over his company to go and look for his long lost granddaughter because apparently his daughter married a very poor man and he disowned her but now he's dying and he has no family and he wants to like leave all his wealth to her. But what he wants, because he's like sort of grooming this guy to be like the leader or something, he wants him to marry his granddaughter. That's how he'll like get everything, right? So he can still stay in this man's family. So this guy travels all the way to England. He's Italian, of course and he goes all the way to like england finds this girl and apparently she just looks like a hilly billy if there are hilly billies in england but that's how she looks like she looks you know so uncathed, her hair she looks so ugly blah blah he doesn't like her he can't stand her he's so forced to be with her then they bring her to italy and then they like do a whole makeover thing and then he's so shocked at how beautiful and gorgeous she is that he can't let go of her. And then they end up having sex and then she gets pregnant and you know how these stories end, right? And I remember just thinking like, oh my God, I want my Cinderella moment. I want like my Italian tycoon and whatnot. And then at some point when like you finally start having, feeling like you want to have sex, right? For me it was like around 17. I think the first time I had sex, I was, it was way after my 17th birthday. It was, what year is this? This is 2022. 2012. You guys have been having sex for 10 years, but it was in 2022. And at this point I was like, no Greek tycoon is coming my way. No Italian billionaire is coming to rescue me in my mother's household from washing dishes and cooking and cleaning. There's no rich grandfather. And so I'm basically stuck with, like, what is around me, and what is around me isn't so bad. Because, like, my first boyfriend was cute. I've always had a thing for cute me, and that's one thing about me. But anyway, so, like, even with him, the first time we have sex, we have sex and everything. But when I think of, like, I couldn't even speak to my friends about it because all my friends were very religious, right? Like, the only thing I told them was, like, oh, I gave him heads, You know, because I really couldn't confess and say that me who had been preaching about virginity the entire time we were in school had finally went and opened her legs and was, like, busting it down with this guy and whatnot, right? But I keep thinking of how, like, if I had had friends around me to actually, like, speak about sex, the things I wish I knew. Because it's only when I was, like, 21, right? This was how many years, like four years after like having sex, that I started to have friends that were actually very honest and open about having sex, right? Because like, I remember, who remembers the first time we had like their first yeast infection? I remember my first yeast infection. I really wish someone had just like forced me and said, listen, you have to take medication and it's not so bad. There are these types of medications and like I was so scared in the sense that I don't even know what triggered it. I know I was having protected sex with the person I was having sex with. Uh, I wasn't doing anything that was out of the ordinary. It was my first yeast infection. And I think I was like 22 or something. And so what I just did, I went on Google and they were talking about garlic, but I was like, I'm not inserting garlic in my vagina. That's just, that just seems too painful. Then they were like your gut. So I was inserting your gut. It was a whole thing. Then I was having sex when I was having, a, like, when I had, like, my yeast infection, and I was like, that thing was like, oof. You know how it feels, like, because it feels, you're, it's, you're itching inside, right? And then the dick is, like, scratching you. So that felt really good, right? But I didn't know I'm not supposed to do that, right? It wasn't until, like, my second yeast infection, about, I think, two years after that, that I realized, like, okay, I really need to start going to the clinic whenever I have yeast infections, Right? So, I go to a clinic and they tell me, Oh no, just buy some, wash something, and then just like throw it around your vagina, like every time you're bathing. Even though I did that, it was still really bad, right? Then I spoke to a friend, and the friend was like, You know, sometimes most of these, like, depending on where you're from, if you're lucky enough to come from a country where you have gynecologists who are many and who are well trained and well read, you will know like you have access to that type of information and care, right? But if you come from a country like Zambia, where we don't have a lot of gynecologists, right? And even the few that we have, and even when they have free clinics, there will be hundreds of people. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to stand in line from like 8 to maybe 2 p.m., Dying of itching because I can't see a gynecologist, right? And even the ones that are in like private hospitals are very expensive. And if like you're young, you don't have money like that, and you're not on proper health care, Google is your friend, right? But one thing I came to learn from a friend was always try and go to a pharmacist. Now, I don't know how pharmacists are like in different countries, but like. There's some pharmacists that you can tell that, okay, these people actually do have a degree, right? They actually do have proper medication and they can properly advise me. And so I've learned in over the years that there are some things where I don't necessarily have to go to the hospital for. I can easily go to a pharmacist and say, look, I'm having a yeast infection or, hey, I like took the morning after pill and I'm ovulating and yet now I'm bleeding and it's very painful the first time this is happening areas you're having like a hormonal imbalance or maybe your body is reacting like this and this okay this is what you can take for two or three days and if it doesn't work go to the hospital What is your yeast infection? Or you can take this medication. Uh, You can try drinking this and doing that. And they give you options, right? And I don't know how it's like for other people, but I've had situations where I'd go to the hospital and they prescribe certain medication. I go to the pharmacy and they're like, okay, what are you sick of? And I explain, they're like, no, that's not the medicine they're supposed to give you. This is what you're supposed to be given, right? And then you use that. And then you go home two, three days and you're fine, right? Those are like, tips I wish I knew. So I don't know. I don't know who it might help. I'm not saying don't go to the hospital. Do go if you have access to healthcare, if you have access to money, if you have well-trained gynecologists. But if you don't have access to money and if it's not something very serious and something as simple as like a yeast infection, you could, and then you need medication. Instead of just going straight and saying, I want this medication, it's good sometimes to have a conversation with the pharmacist and say, hey, This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. And they will advise you. And again, I'm not saying this is what you should go and do. But I'm saying it's an option you can think of. Specifically, if you don't have money. And if you have, like, certain questions and you're afraid, like, your local clinic is very judgmental or your mother works there, your auntie works there, pharmacists help. I mean, though, there are some that will give you, like, oh, she's come to get another morning after pill. But bitch, it's my body, and I'm going to get whatever I want. Um. Anyway, sorry. I feel like I ranted over there. But Tendai, what was, like, what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten from a friend about sex? Tendai, can you hear me? Um. <clears throat>
3: Can I just jump in okay, quickly yeah. before Tendai collects? Yeah. I I want to speak on two things. The first one is where you spoke about um, how you wish like you had friends that you could have gone to openly talk about like the sexual encounter with and stuff. And um, like, I, I, I feel that because I was, I was very lonely. Was, I was living a double life. <laughs> I grew up in the church. My father was a priest in the church and everything. So like my, my group of friends at the time were all from church. We were like in Sunday school and church activities all the time. But away from that, I was having this very inappropriate relationship with this person. And I couldn't tell my friends for obvious reasons. But I feel like if... I had even gotten like a bit of an opening or even just like a, the, the the faintest green light to say we can talk about this. I feel like they would have judged me and said this is that person is like, you know, not right. This is not appropriate. I feel like that judgment, even the fear that they were going to tell somebody, not saying that that would have been a good thing, but I feel like it would have taken me out of that. Um, situation much quicker but it was very very lonely even like as we grew up and started having sex it took us a very long time like for my for that group of friends for me it took us a very long time to openly tell your friends say I, I went to see somebody I went to, to hook up I had a one night stand and things like that. So, yeah, I do feel like it's really, really important to have friends that you can speak to about anything. You know, if you feel like you're pregnant, they can talk to you about your options. You have um, a U.T., um, a a recurring yeast infection that you think would be an STI, could be an STI, that you can openly tell them, say, okay, so this thing is not going away. What if it's, you know, more than... The yeast infection and things like that so yeah sisterhood is really important then the second thing is also um how helpful pharmacists are um when I first moved to Lusaka I used to live like very close to a mall and so like the pharmacist there knew me because of my cramps and the occasional like morning after and what and what so one day I go and i tell him i want like i gave him a list of like i need this and this and this for my cramps because i like i needed to to have a concoction for them to even feel like for me to even just get through the day and he was like oh no you can't take this and what and what and because he knows like my my my, my needs i guess my medical needs when i go in there he was like you know what i feel like um he was like, oh, for morning after pills and you have these cramps I feel like this is something like you should you should get checked about and maybe think about like permanent birth control options and what and maybe he meant well but I got so upset at the time that I screamed at him and then I had to change pharmacies and go to a place where they didn't know me <laughs> so yeah um pharmacies that are very easy to speak to and like the judgments that you're probably going to find at a clinic so yeah that's what I wanted to speak on
1: No, that's true. Because I remember my first, the first like pregnancy test I ever got. Right, I went to some pharmacy in town, and I was very scared. Right, and so I go, I look for the first woman, and I'm like, "Hi, can I get like a pregnancy test?" And she's like, "Ah." I'm like, "Can I get a pregnancy test?" Ah, what are you saying? And then this woman wants me screaming in this, you know, establishment that I want a pregnancy test. Right. And I felt like, even the way she looked at me, I felt so judged. But I mean, now it's very different. I can easily walk into a thing, I'm like, i on a pregnancy test. And I woke up, because you're not about to shame the shameless, right? But I totally understand that thing of where, like, even, you know, there are some times where people will give you advice. And because of, like, our uh, internalized... is Misogyny is not the word I'm looking for. Um, is horrorphobia the right word I can use or pure phobia, whatever it is, right? Well we're so raised to be like very pure and to focus on people's perceptions of us, it's very hard for us to get like actual proper advice from people. Um speaking so, you know, of like um what's this? Like medical personnel is giving you like advice or something. So uh, I was at the dentist today, right? And so I was getting my teeth clean. So usually I don't have, like, an issue with my teeth, right? Like, yo, God bless me and will not jinx it. But I've never had, like, a problem with my teeth. But in the last year and a half, I started having problems with my gums, right, where they would, like, overswell and start to sort of, like, cover one of, like, my teeth that had tar. And so I'd have to, like, go and get like dental surgery where they would constantly cut them and every two months they would keep growing right and so my dentist at first was like okay it must be spicy food but i'm like i've been eating spicy food for years i'm not about to be that white white person amongst my friends who's like guys don't put garlic in the foods don't put this and that like spice is life like i will suffer through you cutting this every two months it means i have to enjoy spices right then they were like, OK, maybe it's because um, like, I don't have the full set of teeth. They were like, maybe they are deep down there. So we go, we do a scan, we find that I just don't have those teeth, right? So today, I, what's this? I went to like a new place, right? And so I was worried. I was like, look, the last time I cut them was in June, and they haven't grown in like six months. And I'm terrified that cleaning them would sort of have like flared them or something, and they're suddenly going to start, like, um, growing again. And so the dentist starts asking me questions. She's like, okay, maybe it's spicy food. I'm like, there's that. But we start thinking. then she's like, wait, have you been pregnant recently? I'm like, no, not that I'm aware of. And she's like, sometimes pregnancy or hormonal changes sort of mess with your gums. So they, like, swell. And they will like start, they'll feel like they're covering your teeth, but they're just really swelling. So that could be an issue. So if you have like hormonal, uh, like a hormonal imbalance in you, it could be pregnancy or not pregnancy, it could really affect your gum. So that could be an issue. And I was like, yeah, I do suffer from hormonal imbalances. And so you can imagine just something as simple as that, as having conversations with people, things like my other male dentist failed to see and my female dentist is on that was able to see it now i understand and i'm not worried that i have to like cut out foods and i'm not like stressing about my health thinking i'm about to die or something like that or my teeth, tooth has to come out it just has something to do with imbalances like colonel imbalances which really sucks baby which fucking sucks but yeah there's that can i back I think Tendai is probably out or her network. She's complaining about her network. But anyway, I don't know if anyone wants to speak, guys. You can like request and we can speak about sex and female friendships. But like I was a test. Like a huge part of my sexual liberation is because of Mangala, right? She was the first friend I ever had where I could honestly speak to her about sex, and. You know how like, <laughs> whereas joke like Mangala like, is the most nonchalant person you ever meet in your life. You know those people in your life, you could go and say, "Oh, I had anal sex," or "I had sex in a tree," or "I like snuck into the ground and I fucked someone." And like you just mentioned something absurd, and someone else would just be like, "Oh my god, why would you do that? That's so fucking weird." Mangala was smile like that's interesting. Continue. Like she will literally make you feel <laughs> so comfortable. <laughs> oh. she, will, <laughs> really is you. she will literally make you feel so comfortable to talk about any type of sex you've had, and there will be no room for judgment. Like where there's like legit no room for judgment. And because of it, honestly, maybe feel more comfortable to explore the type of sex that I wanted to have, right? Because I don't know what it is. There's a point where, I don't know if anyone has experienced this, but there's a point where, like when you're having sex and you have no one to tell, talk to about sex, it's not as fun. I don't know if I'm making sense, like it's just not as fun. Like, oh yeah, I had sex, but then imagine if you have like friends and you're like, guys, guys, let me tell you how... Like, you know, there's a point where having sex so that you can go and tell your friends the stories because it's this fun experience you get to share with your friends. And the more they encourage you, the more you go and fuck on the roof and the trees and the
2: branches.
3: <laughs> and in unfinished houses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is true. In unfinished
3: houses, too.
1: But it's so... I don't know. Do you have anything to say about it, monkey?
3: Um which part
1: <laughs> I don't know the having like how like having a safe space makes you want to explore sex more
3: Oh yeah that is true um also Tendai says she's requested to speak again so if you can just approve cuz she lost her mic or something
1: Okay let me try to yeah. I've just removed yeah.
3: her and let me add her. And yeah, um, right I do think that um, having um, like a safe space in your circle does encourage you to explore some more. Um, I remember like I, I, I knew this person when we were in college and she was out there, you know, she was doing things. But then I don't know, she kind of felt judged by the friends that she had, so like she wouldn't say things. And then one time, I think we found ourselves out, like we had gone out, and then we were talking. And I think I had, I, I said something like I, w- I was going to go home, like I was going to take. The, I saw a guy and I was like, I'm taking him home, or he's taking me home, or whatever. And then, like, later in the night as we got drunk, she was like, oh, like, I would like to talk to you some more and just um, talk about sex. I do agree that when you have someone to um, talk about it with, it does does get fun. Also, like, you exchange pointers, you don't be like, oh, I did this here. And then they'll be like, oh, next time do it like that. And then it's going to feel like that. So, like this person we continued talking and she she looked shy she was sda not to like name drop um (laughs) not to like name churches or whatever but like just you know that stereotype of like somebody's sda and blah 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 so yeah like when we got to like talking we would hang out occasionally and she would talk to me about you know the things that she was doing and i was amazed you know because This person looks chaste, you guys. Like, if there's, like, her name could have been Chastity. But then she'll tell you, this guy, I did this and I did that. And I really, I could, like, the more we spoke, the more I could see that, okay, there's a freak here. So, yeah, it does, um, it does, like, um, why did I forget my words? Yes, it does encourage you to go (laughs) and try and experiment a little bit more. And also, um, Another thing, I think I even mentioned this earlier, that maybe my friends had judged me, my younger friends at the time. But also, um, without talking about um, sex so openly, I think I wouldn't know that a lot of the experiences that I had were not uh, fully consensual, and um, that some of the things that I was allowing to happen to me, because at the time I was thinking... um, you know um i like this and because whatever <laughs> you like some of the um like in the context of bdsm some of the things that i was accepting without like having spoken about it and you know without um just learning and becoming more aware of uh, the complexities of BDSM, which I learned from friends, by the way, you know, because for me it was like, oh, and then this happened, and then like, you know, no, friends will be like, no judgment, but hmm. <laughs> is that safe? Were you like comfortable and things like that? So it's just like sometimes they, they will question you and just be like, is that something that you really wanted? Did you do that for yourself? So the more we spoke, the more, um, I even started to unlearn the fact that, um, sex was just something that that could be done to me or taken from me and everything and then now I know that whatever I do I think we just on Sunday we got together and we're talking about how now we feel like we've done everything and we're comfortable being pillow princesses as long as we're getting off but yeah it's just because now we know that. The, gymnast, the gymnastics are not really necessary as long as you know, you're comfortable with the person and you're getting your nuts at the end of the day, so yeah.
1: No, like, not, first of all, thank you for putting me on blast, but anyway, <laughs> you guys, I mean my little princess phase, I am done with the gymnastics, like, I've done them, they were fun, but now i just want to sit there relax and have a good time okay
2: that's
1: true um, <laughs> i don't know if you've seen this trend on tiktok right and i'm assuming it's like with white women but i feel like it also catch on with black girls right um where they are going i've forgotten what they call the surgery but they are having their like labias cut because apparently men find them ugly, and so they're trying to be more aesthetically pleasing for them. And which is funny, you know, like for us in Southern Africa, there's the whole FGMO, which is uh, female genital modification, where they force young the girls to pull their labias. And then, you know, in the East and the West, we have even like part of the North, we have FGM, which is female genital mutilation where they cut the labias and the clitoris, right? So now seeing like in all of this, like almost all these forms all focus on how men will look at us. So I know for like FGM, a huge part of it is to make sure that girls are not sexually active, just sort of like to kill women's sexuality. And then FGM more, like there's different arguments right the argument is that it helps with your pleasure when in actual fact some people have found that it doesn't help with their pleasure and it numbs your clits while other people say it's like something that men use to play with you in bed other people lie that they use it for men to hold your dick how how anyway but have you seen this of where girls are going through like surgery to cut their labias Yes, I saw, um,
3: I think it was a tweet, where somebody tweeted that they got their um, roast beef, quote-unquote, removed. So I was like, what does that mean? Then I go in the comments and I find it's people congratulating the person for uh, having the surgery to remove their labia so the pussy can look more pretty. It's just... <sighs> men can barely get circumcised. Why are we going to all these lens?
1: That's too much. Like, <laughs> not even like going for circumcision. Men don't even bath. Okay? First of all, that part. like men won't shave, right? They won't shave. They will not bother to clean their dicks. They won't clean their ass cracks, right? Some of these men, not that me, because uh-uh, not me, but we all know in these streets how dirty men are, right? Mm-hmm. Someone bath, someone even shave their armpits or even bother to clean or even get deodorant. And you're out here cutting your labia so that you can look more aesthetically pleasing for a nigga that's going to come with crusted dick. You know? Like it's, first of all, vaginas look how they should look okay your labia is not supposed to be all soft and lumpy or thin it's supposed it's there for a reason and it's supposed to look like that and so if a man comes a man who does not have a motherfucking vagina a man who does not bath a man who hasn't washed his ass crack since his you know his nanny cleaned it in 2002 must come and start telling you how your vagina should look and this is why like it's so important because if you have friends sex positive friends they will legit tell you like don't do that to your body don't do that to yourself like i understand like you know porn has really affected how we see how vaginas should look first of all porn stars go through a lot to make sure the vaginas look like that there's bleaching involved okay I wouldn't be surprised if there's makeup involved in those areas, right? They have to go through a lot. And I can't even imagine how unsafe most of those processes they have to go through are. And then, like, you know, there's also editing, there's photoshopping, there's what and what. And so you watch porn and you're like, oh, my God, she has such a very pretty vagina. And if you're like a black girl and you're watching white porn and you're like, why doesn't my vagina look like that? First of all, your vagina doesn't see the sun. So, of course, it's going to be darker than the rest of your body, okay? Secondly, there's shaving constantly being involved there. It's not like your face. You're not shaving your face every day, unless for those who shave their faces, right? Meaning, of course, it's going to have dark spots, right? Then your vagina also is like, there's skin there involved. So, of course, there's going to be pimples. There's going to be ingrowth here. That's perfectly normal. And coming down to your labia, it's all to genetics and how your body should be like. Like, not all vaginas look the same. If we all came here and took pictures of our vaginas, we'd be all surprised like, oh, that one looks like mine, or this one doesn't look like mine. Just because something doesn't look like yours doesn't mean there's something wrong with your vagina. And honestly, as, as women who have sex with men, we should really... Like, let me tell you, just the fact that you have a vagina is enough. Don't be out here doing the most death for these men, okay? <laughs> I've had women who are, are dazzling their vagina, some women put glitter, some women spray perfume. You guys, these infections should not be played with, okay? Like, they should not be played with, and your bodies are perfectly fine the way they are. And so, in this instance, is where you feel certain type of way about your vagina talk to your friends like if you have those sex positive friends just ask like bro how do you feel about your vagina and you know what i'm not even saying you have to fall in love with your vagina i'm not about to like give off that like there'll be days it's the exact same way you feel about your body there'll be days where you're like fuck my body is hot then other days you'll be like "Eh, why do i look like that and other days you're like oh she's cute Like, you know, after, like, you shave her, like, oh, she's cute. And then when the hair grows, like, oh, look at her, she's got little hair. Like, it's, vagina is, like, listen, it's a body part, okay? It's a body part. It's just the same way as your asshole. You're not out there wondering if your asshole is cute. And should you cut a little bit of this and that to make your asshole what? It's, it's like an organ. And that is how it's supposed to look. So, No just no okay not for these men not even like even for yourself if you say i'm doing it for myself like dig deep inside you like are you really doing it for yourself because if you're doing it for yourself why would you make yourself to go through pain just to fit a certain beauty standard right like imagine how like society has fucked us up so bad to make us feel like our bodies are not how they are meant to look like because they don't fit some white woman's perspective of what beauty should look like, you know oh, we had a speaker and I kept talking I was about to ask her to like, speak <laughs> can yeah. she come back? I'm so-
3: it was Miss Morta if I'm pronouncing that correctly
1: yeah, please come back I'm so sorry I'm so sorry uh, <laughs> be doing but yeah, it's just I don't know like, it's so, I feel like this is something, uh, for those of you who don't know, right? Mangal and I uh, co-founded an organization. It's called Sister Sister Foundation. And when we started Sister Sister, our, like, entire aim, right, was, like, we were seated, like, chatting about, like, how older guys used to prey on us when we were younger just about how gullible we were about a lot of things and how we wished we had older sisters. Like we did have older sisters, but more like very open-minded and free older sisters who could like tell us what's up about our bodies, about life and mentor us. And we're like, you know what? Let's start like a big sister program, right? Where we get to like mentor these kids and talk to them about stuff. And when we started, we would like go to orphanages and stuff. And so, like, on Sundays, we'd have what we call, like, girl time. And these kids are, like, they're teenagers, like, 16, some are 13, some are 14. And you could tell their excitement to talk about sex. It wasn't because they were, like, excited that they want to have sex, but they had so many questions. No one was answering them. It's either people were judging them, telling them to, you know, like, close your legs, don't do that. And then here we were like saying, okay, if you have questions about sex, ask us. And we were able to talk about so many things. These kids will ask you about protection because like, it's not like back in the day, it's like you were like as, we as millennials and even part of Gen Z, like we had anti-AIDS clubs in our like schools that were constantly talking about like, where protection, where protection, but these kids no longer have those clubs, right? Mm. and so they'll be asking about like oh what if your boyfriend says you don't love him if you don't use condoms Well, we grew up with like oh he doesn't love you if he doesn't use condoms right and they were asking these questions like oh you know i had sex with this guy and then he gave me like uh what is he came in me then i went i got a morning after pill and now my periods are late am i pregnant And so even, like, things, like, explaining to them about how, like, ovulation works and how the morning after pill is going to, like, delay your periods, things like that. Them now coming to talk about how, like, oh, you know, I've never had sex with a guy, but my breasts are dropping. Does that mean that, you know, I don't listen? People are saying I have sex. And just explaining that our bodies will always look different. Not everyone will have, like, perky breasts that, like are always at standard T's. But, you know, breasts are going to look very differently. And having to explain this to these kids and like in the beginning, it was just the two of us, right? And so we didn't always have that space. And sometimes we'd go to like spaces that were a bit religious, like community centers. And these guys would like, I hated, I hated that they would do this. one do you remember that group? The mm-hmm. one in Kalingalinga?
5: Yeah.
1: Where they come and tell these girls, like, oh, let's create a safe space. Let's create this safe circle. And these girls are 13 talking about, oh, me and my boyfriend have sex. Me and thingy, thingy, thingy. And you think that's an opportunity to talk to these kids, like, oh, are you using protection? Um, Like, you know, how old is your boyfriend? And answering some of their questions. And just being their friend and helping them guide them to, like, better choices. This girl goes on a rampant and starts being very like judgy like hey, god will punish you because you're having sex imagine telling kids i'm a safe space and then going on to judge them right how do you think they're ever going to trust anyone else that comes and says i'm a safe space and then automatically that person just comes and starts judging them and telling them how they shouldn't be having sex like of course we don't want kids having sex But they will have sex, whether you and I like it or not, right? We were kids too. We remember what it was like kissing a boyfriend. We remember what it was like a guy fingering you. Remember what it was like, our sis, your boyfriend wearing the condom for the very first time. We remember that. And there's no way we're going to like lie to these kids, right? And pretend that we didn't do it too. But what we're going to do is give them the advice that we didn't have, which was you know, all these things, all these questions about sex and everything. And so that's why, like, even the older that we grow, you think, oh, okay, like, because like, when you are younger, you didn't have that, even when you grow older, like, you meet women who are in their 30s or 40s, who've never even had, like, an honest conversation on sex with their female friends, right? Women who are on this Facebook pages saying, hide my ID, I've never had an orgasm. And You you pity them, right? Because it's like it's such a taboo topic that people are not allowed to speak on. And honestly, I just feel like that's the way the patriarchy like prevents us from, like you know, finishing the orgasm gap. Because if we're all silent about sex, then nobody's coming. And if nobody like you know, no one's complaining, nobody's coming, and they get away with it. Whereas men get to talk about sex and yes, they do talk about it in a very degrading way and they could improve in the way they talk about it, but at least they're talking about it. If a guy went to his group of friends and said, yo, I had sex with three girls in the night, right? They would all be celebrating him and laughing and doing what, but how many of us can say we can go to our friend groups and say, guys, I had sex with three guys in the night like how many of you can actually like have friends who'd be like, whoa, was it good? What happened? Did you enjoy yourself? Did you use contraceptive? Uh, What's um, what is condoms? Who was it with? How many of us can go and say, oh, I like had, I, I recently learned the difference between a full sum and a train, but say like, is it a train? I had a train run through me. What, how do they say it? Listen, I'm not cool like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> Yes, right? Like, oh, I had like three guys, four guys. How many of us have friends that can say, wow, that was super cool, or automatically they'll be like, ah, that's a little hoish for me. Like, right. yeah, maybe having sex with me, but that's a little hoish for me. Like, why are you doing that? Whereas, like, if a man went and did it, he's automatically applauded for being this sexual icon. Mm. You know? Because being-
6: we have um somebody who's requested to speak.
1: Uh, okay, I can hear her. her or him or they. Yeah, let's
3: just hear from them.
7: Okay. Um. All right. So, how many women? here who are listening right would want to have a train ran on them because it sounds like that's like a prescription you're giving for like female
3: empowerment or some shit what did you say yeah I
1: just like is he mad is this the space to come to and that's just the (laughs) thing right
3: you know, yeah, I su- I should have known from there. Uh, <laughs> perhaps we can hear from Sharon next. Oh, yeah.
1: Maybe she's connecting.
3: Yeah, it says
8: it's connecting.
1: Okay. Hi, Chanda.
8: Hello. Um, thank you so much. Hi. For letting- how are you i'm sorry uh, so um, i hope
6: you can hear me so hello
8: yep i can hello. hear you hello.
6: hi okay okay sure so what i wanted to say was that like what Anne was saying about how like how many friends can you talk to about certain things so i'm very specific about people that i can talk to about such such things I know you guys with sister-sister won't judge me. But then the certain friends were like, you tell them about your experience and then either they will judge you or they'll ask you why are are doing this or you become like a religious thing. But then there's people I'm very specific with that I can talk to about. And it's also when I had my first sexual experience, I had had, had sex before. So I know that I had some ideas about it. And then like, I, it was a few people from my high school because people were like deeply religious. So there was this shame that it carried And it's that thing where you grow up and this whole thing of virginity is placed on you and stuff like that. So it's quite hard to be sex positive in such a culture. And that's why we need more things like this because, like, we can share ideas, we can talk about this. And this is how you know what you should do and not do because why are you putting yogurt, why are you putting garlic and all of those things.
3: Um, Sharon, we can hear from you.
8: Hi, I'm sorry for that. Um, so um, when you started this conversation, I'm a little bit older than many of the people here. So when you started the conversation, you talked about the labia um, surgery, and it's something that's been around for quite a while. And it always confused me when I was younger, and I would hear of young women doing it, um, that it was not spoken out, in the same way that um, female, um, you know, genital mutilation is is seen, it was. But but it again, as you both pointed out in your discussion, it is both. It, it both surgeries are for the male gaze essentially, um, It has very little to do with what a woman truly wants. Now, I will say that my family and my culture was definitely not sex positive. They're very conservative. I'm Caribbean. But, but, I do have to say, I my mother herself was was a feminist, and um, she afforded me a little bit of leeway that I cultivated within my family. I was when I was a teenager, a young woman. AIDS was rampant. It was the eighties, and because of where my mother worked and who she worked with. There were many people that she knew that I knew that were dying of AIDS. So I became a big advocate for um, um, at that time as a young woman for, um, you know, ensuring that people were, were had access to condoms and knew how to use them, because that was actually a conversation that most people my age at the time in my high school at 13 and 14, 15, they didn't know in our culture, in our world, only prostitutes use condoms. So it was, and sailors. I'm literally, I'm quoting my grandmother here when she said prostitutes and sailors. I was like, what the fuck? But anyway, what, what I'm saying is, is is like I worked hard at having those conversations. And one of the best experience I had as a older woman, a 20 year old, I think I was 20, maybe, maybe in my 1820s. Um, is having a conversation um, with with my younger aunts, who were maybe eight or 10 years older than me, and them opening up about their sexual experience. And it was done in the kitchen. We were cooking for a holiday meal, and everyone was participating (laughs) and having that conversation, and them being very frank with me and me being very frank with them. So I do look at spaces like this as very important in changing culture, I personally was um, first generation for my, under my mother. My mother came to England as an immigrant and then we immigrated here to America. So it's a very different sort of um, place in, 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 um, in society, but it's a precarious one because um, again, the culture I come from is very is very conservative, though I personally am not and will never be. Um and it doesn't necessarily and having those conversations I definitely had with my with my friends because I was always pushing it. Like me, they were mostly immigrants, um, or came from an immigrant culture or very conservative cultures, but I always kept on pushing that it was important. And I really pushed that for all of you it is important. When that young man came up and stated the nonsense he stated about uh you know um attempting to attach shame to the conversation recognize that's not the just the attempt to attach shame is the attempt to attach control this is a sisterhood a sisterhood influences should never have be in the control of men and that's all i have to say thank you thank
5: Thanks.
9: you so much and honestly <laughs> you can go ahead okay.
1: No, like, that's true. Uh, About how you're saying it was all about attaching shame. Because, you know, the one thing, like, this is what I was talking about. When men share their sexual experiences, it's something to be celebrated about. When women share their sexual experiences, it's something to be ashamed about. And that's so weird. Um, So before I go in, uh, Miss, sorry, let me, okay, Miss uh, Martha, uh you can speak. I don't know if you're on or you're still connecting.
2: No, I'm here. I'm here. Um, yeah. um I'm here. you can hear me, right? Perfect. So um I just want yes. to share that um I'm from a culture in, in East Africa where girls of a certain age um once you start to have quote unquote feminine features or birthing hips or whatever the misogynistic term they have for women or young girls who are growing up they kind of take you um and you're assigned to you know all of you guys like they will gather a few girls and they will kind of assign you to an older woman who teaches you how to have sex and how to pretty much please men and those classes or whatever they are. They're usually centered around men and um, how to be the perfect wife and how to keep a man. And you learn all these things that you're not supposed to be to be knowing at a certain age. Um, and that kind of um, creates how the idea of how sex is supposed to be and that's the way I was raised. And most of us, um, most of me and my friends our were age mates, we were, we kind of had those beliefs growing up to a point where girls would have quote-unquote procedures to, you know, maintain their virginity or um, prefer anal because I also come from a very religious um, Islamic town. So a lot of girls who are um, Muslims, they would do like anal sex to preserve the, the virginity because when you're getting married, Um, some of them had to prove their virginity to men on the night, on the wedding night. So, um, and I noticed a lot of us growing up, we used to have group chats. We would talk about these things and a lot of girls would say it hurts and they would teach each other how to handle um, anal sex and how to actually enjoy it and um, for whatever reason they used to do it. Um, Because, you know, you don't need a specific reason to have sex. You just have sex because you are a sexual being, you know. Um so that was the group I grew up in and then I also grew up in a very Christian um, strict Christian family as well and sex was almost not talked about so I grew up believing having sex is literally the worst thing you could ever do or <laughs> liking men um, we had a teacher I don't know if you guys have this in your country, but in my country, we have something called CRE, Christian Religious Education. And our teacher would say, um, if you like a man, if you like boys, dig your own coffin. You're walking around with a coffin. <laughs> and, you know, she would say that. And it, it used to scare the life out of us. And most of us in my class grew up so being so scared of pregnancy. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so that's the group. That's the, That was my high school life. That together with the whole being taught how to have sex at a tender age and being taught, I don't know if you guys do, um, I don't know how you guys grade coconuts. There's that thing you sit on and it's kind of like you're in a squatting position. You sit on it and then we use that to teach us how to write dick. I don't know how you compare that to writing dick. We're barely 15 and we're being taught how to do that. None of us were taught how to manage money, how to budget, how to um, pay bills or whatever. But We were taught how to write dick like like we're grading coconuts. So that, and then when I grew up, we had these friends and we would talk about it and half of us were married or had kids. And when we, almost all of us in the group had kids, that's when almost everybody started to have open conversations about sex. And that's, you know, because I used to think it's only me who doesn't enjoy sex after having children. But when those girls in the group chats open, they say, this shit hurts like a motherfucker. It hurts after kids. And now, because, you know, you can't tell the older people, because in the African culture, a lot of older people, a lot of older women don't talk with the younger generation of women about sex. They just tell them how to please men, but they don't tell them how you're supposed to feel as a woman. Almost every sex coach, an African, almost tells you how to make men feel good, but never tells you as a woman how you're supposed to be feeling. It's always how men should fit, how men should feel. Get him a water, cold water after sex, help him clean up, but nobody does the aftercare for you as a Black woman, really, as an African woman. So that's pretty much how I was raised, believing. But when those girls started believing that, when those girls started having those compositions in the group I was like, okay, now, now let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Now we can actually talk about it. And now girls started talking about using lube. Girls started talking about yoni. Started talking about all these weird things. And I remember one girl said, if you drink cranberry juice mixed with pineapple juice and some other nonsense, your pussy juices are gonna taste like fruits and (laughs) beats. You know, some girls went with it and I'm like, if you are you kidding me, you know? And those conversations have evolved over time. As we've grown, now like we're in our thirties, we have I think almost everybody in the group chat has different opinions on sex, but the one thing we agree on is We're all supposed to actually enjoy the sex and have the sex when we want to have the sex, no longer just giving your body to your husband, boyfriend, partner, because they require that of you. Uh, But now we're having conversations that center your satisfaction as a woman. And I also think your friendship groups or your sisterhood circle also influences the kind of men or women or people you have sex with, right? Because we're, we're in a very diverse society so um i think when, when your friends are dating um like when you tell your friends i'm dating i'm, I'm dating so and so the way they react to that person whether that also influences the person you're attracted to for whatever reason you know i don't know if that's making sense but your friends also influence the people you date sometimes sometimes if um And sometimes they'll be like, you know, don't date them. I heard they have a small dick, you know, because you know, girls, we talk. Personally, if you if you do me bad, I'm gonna tell everybody you have a small dick, because I'm petty. But yeah, I just (laughs) wanted to add that. I just wanted to add that to the conversation. I feel like our friendships also affect the people we date, on top of how we have sex and how we view sex. um, Because I've been through different types of, you know, women groups, and from a teenager to now i'm in my 30s i have different kinds of friends and we talk about different things about sex but i just want um the more we talk about sex we stop talking about how to make your vagina tighter it's not gonna get any tighter than it is it's the way it's supposed to be i want us to stop focusing on things like oh you drink pineapple juice you eat pineapples you put lemons in your vagina it's gonna taste like it's not supposed to taste like berries it's not supposed to taste like a vagina um, and, you know, th- things like that. It, there was a girl that came on a space one time when I had another account, and she said, every day you wake up, put your finger in your vagina and taste your vagina. <laughs> and see if it tastes the oh, same. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, oh, this is the thing we're doing? I'm so shocked from that. And then another one said, put a mirror between your legs and look at your vagina every day. But the... The beef thing that you mentioned, I've been seeing that a lot lately. And when they do it, it's just their slut shaming because I don't know, I don't know who taught people that we're supposed, to, our are all supposed to look the same. It's supposed to be tight. It's supposed to be, I don't know what color it's supposed to be. And now they're doing anal bleaching because they believe that buttholes are supposed to be cute, Bum holes are supposed to look a certain way. Now they're bleaching the end. Thank you, ladies, for this space.
1: Thank you so much for speaking. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, I saw a TikTok. Like, listen, I don't believe in shaming people for how they look. But if you're a misogynist, you are a homophobe or transphobe, listen, get grace from Jesus, not me. (laughs) Let me tell you, this man looked like, you know how frogs are ugly? or towards the ugly, he looked like that. Like, this man was fucking hideous. And he puts up, he puts up this TikTok saying, oh, I can, ever, when she opens her legs and then I see it's roast beef. And then with the sound saying, I ain't eating that or something like that. And I'm like, you look like that. First of all, no man, even if he was drop-dead gorgeous, should ever tell you how your vagina should look like. But if you look that hideous, you think you have an option? You think you have a choice? Like, it's, it's honestly so ridiculous that men feel... Like, here's the thing, right? Even about the whole thing of, like, making our vaginas taste sweet and whatnot, men will give you the dick they serve. It will come smelling some type of way. It will come tasting some type of way. No man is worried about you tasting cookies and cream on his dick and so why the fuck are we out here doing the most for men who won't even wash their dicks for us right like it's i feel like as straight women or women who have like even by women women who have or people who have sex with men like we really need to have more standards like uh think the the thing Miss Martha said about how like having great friends is going to like influence who you date. It's honestly so true. And I think when I think of like, there was a time period where I was just like, Oh, he's fun. He seems interesting. Like, yeah, there are things I liked, but I felt like I didn't have standards in the way in the people that I was dating. Right. And according to my friend groups, like standards kept changing, right? So this friend group, it's about dating the cutest guy. So of course I'm going to date the cutest guy, right? Then this next friend group, it's about dating guys who have money. So of course I want to date guys who have money. And then now I'm in a friend group where it's about dating the type of guy that treats you right, you know? Treat you right in every sense of the way, like respects your basic humanity. Someone who doesn't view your feminism as a fucking challenge. Someone mm-hmm. um, who isn't here telling you what your body should look like. It's basically just, it's mm-hmm. like, I've gotten to a point where I only want to date people who make me feel the way my friends make me feel, like a safe space and who treat me right. So I feel like it also changes. And I've also even seen it with like our younger friends in the friend group they're also starting to want more from like their partners and more as in better for themselves. Um, so feminist Friday, you can speak.
9: Hi. So okay, I just wanted to comment on the roast beef thing. I really don't think men who have two different colors on their dick can be com- can be comparing and can be commenting on how someone's vagina looks like like i feel like men who do that are projecting the insecurities that they have about themselves because if you're having sexual intercourse with someone who's insecure about their own body sometimes they reflect that onto you so that they can feel some sense of power or security which a lot of men do and also i feel like society has made it so easy to negatively sexualize women it's also there like in music videos where they're always talking negative things about women or sexualizing them in a way oh she has a big ass oh she has big boobs oh that bitch did this and me and that to her and it's always been like that since the genesis of hip-hop which i don't understand because when you look into these um, aspects of society they are always the abusers they are always the people that make women feel like shit they're always the sexual predators And some of these men are even sexual predators to people who are way younger than them. And also, in African society, people need to change. You can't be over-sexualizing people who are underage. Someone just reaches puberty. You already want to not sexualize them in the family and make them feel bad about themselves. I feel like that's where self-image is damaged. And yeah, that is my point.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Foster, you can go next. Kendai, you know this is when I've realized that this is you using another account. I was like, who's this man? <laughs>
4: I was waiting for you to figure it out.
0: Hi, everyone. Yeah. Hi, Hello. Yeah, so I just wanted to add my two cents to the conversation. I might digress, but yeah, I think... I'll try and keep to the theme. Yeah, so you're talking about sisterhood and its influence on, you know, our sex lives. I think I'll talk about my experiences within, like, my circle circles. Seko. I'm fortunate enough to have, like, very woke and away friends. But, you know, there was a time I used to feel shamed for being like um i'm 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 I, like i i am one person who gets attached to like a person like one person at a particular time like when i get like a, attached to someone uh be it intimately or sexually it, it it's literally it's literally like um like that, that would be the only person at that time so i find it difficult to, like you know, mingle with other people and whatever. And I feel like my, my friends at one point started making fun of me for like, not being so like sexual in that manner, you know, like they started calling me a sexual and I was like very accepting of it's Like, yes, of course, like, um, I have attachment issues, you know, like for me to open up to a man, especially like it has to take a lot of my energy. So I started feeling some type of, worship, but like, do I have a problem. Because they like they are so free with themselves, you know what I'm saying with their bodies or whatever. I don't know what it is, but I think that's the um, one influence I can talk about. But otherwise, um, generally, um, I have very like uh, you know like liberated friends and sexual friends. We don't like shame each other about our choices and all that. And then talking about like. Um, aesthetics and pleasing men, I don't believe in the issue of doing anything to your body to please a man. As a woman, obviously you always have to uh, do things for yourself. I think there's a lot of things, problems in SRHR that we can be talking about instead of the things that we talk about like pulling labia and you know whatever. There's a lot of issues that we need to tackle. Contraceptives, Access to, you know, uh, sanitary towels, instead of us talking about, like, especially for the Banachimbusas and even our, our you know, our aunties at home. I remember when I was young, you know, luckily for me, I've always been a rebel. I've always been, you know, I've always had my own mind. I remember my grandmother brought up this topic of pulling labia when I was like a teenager or something. And I literally refused, like, but...
1: That my I Um,
3: I think we lost her
4: yeah we lost her yeah.
3: and I we haven't heard from you in a bit
4: yeah I missed like the the best probably I missed quite a quite a bit so I don't know where we are but I think um, for me from what I've heard coming on now it's weird because with my with the different friendships that I've had over the years, so we had most of the friends I had were from my high school time till we like grew up. And I don't know, it's probably because we we're like from a Catholic school and sex was like a taboo. We got to a point where we, we probably all knew that we we're having sex, but it's not something that we, we spoke about openly in line with like speaking about our experiences or how, how it should be. Then, like, we grew up, and now, like, we're able to speak about it. But it's just weird for me because we're open about, like, my friends would be open about saying, oh, they're going to sleep over and have sex, but it's not a topic we'd sit down and, like, dissect or, like, speak about because I think we secretly thought we were doing something wrong because of maybe our bringing and stuff like that. But I would say uh, one of the speakers spoke about how – I'm not sure if it was Anita or the other speaker who said like the people we date or the people we have sex with, like a lot of it changes when we hear like what our friends have to say about it. I don't know if it's just me, but there's been people that i have been with like people that have dated maybe or just or had sex with. And then I thought everything was okay. And then the minute I mentioned it to someone, to my friend, and they have a funny reaction, like everything for me, like it's just like a balloon popped. And then like my eyes are open. I'm just like, what? What was I even thinking? What was I even doing? Like having sex with this person or or maybe even considering having sex with this person. So I feel like sisterhood has a lot to play. And I'm glad I'm at a point with the friends I have and with you guys, with Anita, with Mwangala and with, with the girls and with everyone that we're able to discuss sex freely and what works for us because like I look back to when like I started having sex and how it would just be like oh yeah so I went over and I'm back and my friends wouldn't even ask like how was it and I don't even think I wanted them to ask because yeah we we probably thought we were doing something we're not supposed to be doing yes they knew what was going on and would speak about different options if you had like a pregnancy scare, would speak openly about, oh, go and get the morning after pill. Or we would know that maybe our friend was considering having an abortion, but it's not something that we would really get into. There would be no judgment, but we just wouldn't we wouldn't speak about it. And, yeah, so I think that's, that's my take on, like, different friends and different phases and how they influence our sex lives, dating lives, and everything. I've
1: um. You know, the thing about, like, not talking about it in detail. So, like, out of all my friends, the most explicit person when it comes to talking about sex is Samia. You guys, like, it's literal comedy talking to that girl about sex, right? Whereas, like, with everyone else, you'll be, like, explaining. When, like, Samia calls you and says she had sex, you literally have to sit down for a movie. Because this girl will be, like on FaceTime telling you, like, she'll be on the bed and she'll be like, so this is what happened, right? I was on my knees and she'll get on her knees. And she's like, this man was fucking me, fucking me. Then he moved my leg and then she'll like, move her leg. Then she'll be like, I need you to see this properly. And then she'll be standing explaining it in detail. And it's so hilarious. But it's like, like just the idea that someone feels so free with you that they are so open to explaining in every single detail, how the sex they had was, and they know they're not going to feel like any form of shame. They're not going to be laughed at. And it's just going to be this very fun experience. And at no point is, is it in that way that it's like degrading to the person that we're having sex with. Personally, women can be sexist towards men, but it's just in this like really great way where friends are connecting and sharing their sexual experiences. But even sometimes I'm like, damn, now I have to come up with a crazier sex story when I come back because this girl is going above and beyond. Like you guys, when I you know how like you watch WWE, is it WWE that wrestling thing? How they move and jump. That is literally what she does on FaceTime. She's like moving and jumping on the bed and explaining in great detail. But yeah. Uh I'm just gonna wait for the next person to connect. Has she dropped off? Oh, that's sad. But yeah, female friendships and sex, but also even, uh, what's this? Another thing is also we had like a friends giving, right? A couple of weeks ago. And so everyone was sort of like talking about what they're mostly grateful for. And so one of our friends shared how, like like depending on what she's going through, how weight fluctuates, right? And so people always have something to say about it, like, oh, you've gained weight, or oh, you've lost weight, or oh, you've done what? And she was like, we're the only friend group or only people she knows where she can come and no one will mention her weight. No one will talk about it. It's not a factor. It does not connect to who she is as a person and who she is as a friend and she feels so comfortable coming and she's not going to feel some certain type of way even when she's preparing to like dress up and come like it's not like oh are they going to see that i've gained weight and i don't know how to explain it guys like i i would like to say like i'm extremely confident right like my confidence is like on a (laughs) it's like it's a 9.8 on a normal day right out of 10 but even in as confident as I am, right, like in all my life, all I've, oh, oh, I've ever heard is people tell me, oh, you're yeah, fat. Oh, you've gained weight. Every day, I was always gaining weight. So it's something I've always heard, right? And so even when I would take pictures, I would feel some certain type of way because I'm like, okay, I'm big. But it wouldn't really get to me, right? Because, again, I have, like, the confidence of a mediocre white man, even worse sometimes, but then in the last like year and a half, I now I can actually say I have gained weight or I have gone through my second puberty, right? Because that's another thing you never learn until you are surrounded by your female friends, that you go through another puberty, like after your first one. So I've gone through like now my second one, right? Where like things are popping off and coming out, things I didn't know I had, right? And so that obviously comes with weight gain. And now I can actually see a complete difference from how I looked two years ago. And when I say gaining weight, guys, I loved it. I was like, oh my God, these hips, this ass, this what? I was so happy, right? Like clothes I would never feel comfortable wearing before. I finally got a chance to wear them. But now it's gotten to a point where there are too many comments. There were comments before, but there are too many comments. And now it takes, before it would take like a second for me to snap back from all the criticism and now it takes a little bit longer. And it's nice that I never get to experience that amongst my friends, right? Whereas my friends would be like, oh, you look great. That's nice. Your ass is popping. Or like even if I went to tell my friends like, guys, this is a comment someone made and automatically they would just be like, you know, they would hype me up to feel better about myself. And that's just the thing I fucking hate about society and how it's going to like, I know I'll be ranting every day about society's fat phobia. But yeah, we have a new speaker, uh, Bohemian Solist. I think. I hope I pronounced it properly.
9: You did. You did. Good night. Good evening.
1: Uh, do you have something to share?
9: Um, not right now. I'm just listening. Thank
3: you
1: uh all right but yeah that's the thing about friends with gaining weight and stuff like that it's so like it's it's nice when you're around a safe space and not people who constantly you know constantly try and make it a competition or try and make you feel bad but when you're around people that constantly hype you up and make you feel great about the way you look and the way you feel you will feel completely different about your body so if you're like constantly you know people are constantly making you know like comments over your weight and how you look try and surround yourself with as many positive people who sort of like drown out those voices and another thing if even if you're as confident as me with the 9.8 on a normal day there are times where the comments will take you down to a seven and that's it's not okay honestly it's not okay and let me give you an example i hope this person is in this space but i highly doubt they are i met i saw like i was out last was it last week or the other week right i was out me i've done my hair i look cute i feel cute i feel great about myself so i go to this party and i see someone i haven't seen in a very long time right and this person was not looking like how i saw them like three years ago they've gained more weight right and they are they're they're male right they look very differently on their face they've you know gained. um they look lighter like i could tell they had been like you know bleaching their skin and when i saw them i was they had like every like i'm not i'm not encouraging anyone to bleach. Honestly, I'm not encouraging anyone to bleach. But everyone knows, like, there's that bleaching process or wrong products. You don't necessarily end up looking like your best, right? Where the color starts to go completely off. And this person was not looking their best. But I was like, maybe this, this is how this person wants to look, you know? And I'm not going to be that asshole who's going to mention it or try and make them feel like shit. I'm going to respect that this is how they look. And I'm pretty sure they've like, when I met them, they were very skinny and they're no longer skinny. And I am not going to be that person that comments on their weight and how they look. And to me, as long as they're healthy, they're happy, they look great. They looked great. And that's all I cared about. Right. So I tend and go and greet them. And the first thing this person says is, you look so big. You've been gaining weight. And I was just like, you know, I was just like, I need to leave. And I left. I was like, don't dish what you can't receive. Because the next time I meet this person, I have words for them. Like, we all see. Like, people all change. They all look different. We all see each other, right? And sometimes we won't be looking our best. Sometimes we will be looking our best. Because how do you know that's not how I want to look, right? But don't come here and try and make me feel some type of way. Like, if I'm respectful enough to see that... There's something about you that I that doesn't look like you, but if that's what makes you happy and I'm, I don't want to have you feeling a certain type of way about it, the least you can do is also like extend the same courtesy to me, right? Not that I look bad. For me, I look fucking sexy. But it's on next time I see them. Honestly, it's on. Um, we have a new speaker, Noni. I don't know how to pronounce your full handle.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Nani's just, it's okay. Um, Hi, everyone. Um, I actually wanted to just touch on that point. It's not just friends that will comment on your body and, and tell you, oh, you're looking fat. Because I'm from South Africa, right? And um, so it'll be mostly family members, like especially the women in, in the family who grew up having this this whole thing of especially when you when you go and meet family members you haven't seen in a long time and the first thing they'll comment on is your body like oh yo you're just you're so big now and um yo you know how small you were when I when I saw you and you're so big now you know and it's like that's the first thing you want to say to me you know it's just like do you not want to say hi, how am I doing, how is life, you look good, you look happy? Why is my weight the first thing you want to comment on and make me feel bad about, you know? So, I mean, it's it starts from home as well because you start feeling these um, insecurities because at first it's just you kind of brush it off, right? Right. And then it starts to dig at you as you grow older and you become more aware and you look at yourself in a different way whenever you go to, to the mirror, you know, and you start like looking at these things, like, and you start comparing yourself to your friends or other people and you're like, maybe I am, maybe I am like a bit too big. And then it starts, um, things like, um, your eating disorders, you know, and it, it It just becomes an unhealthy pattern and it goes on and on and on. But um, my point was that it goes back to how we've been conditioned to try and fit into the standard of beauty, the European standard of beauty, you know? And even with the whole bleaching thing, um, why isn't our melanin enough? Why do we feel the need to change what we've been Born as you know, and yeah, so um, it's just it, it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks because I feel home is supposed to be that safe space for you, right? And if you're getting the criticism there, and it's negative, and you go out in the world, and you still have to face people that have the goal to just to be like, "Oh, you're you're so fat! Like, don't you want to lose weight? Or oh, you're like." You know, it's just like so unnecessary and it's like guys, I think I'm fine. That should be enough. Like if if I don't feel like the way you're telling me, then it's none of your business. Let me be. Um <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say.
3: Thank you, Noni. Um, I just want to add on to say like this. Um, conversation on weight is really one of the most insensitive things from people. Especially if you consider like the things that women will go through, uh, that causes their bodies to change. You find that this is somebody you were with in high school eleven hundred years ago, you know, they meet you, they see your picture and the first thing they say to you is, Oh my god, you have become so fat or you have gained so much weight. Like Do you even know half the things that I have gone through? What if I am on hormones because I'm trying to get pregnant? What if I'm on hormones because I'm trying not to get pregnant? The time that you knew me, I was, you know, maybe high school was college. I was a broke college student. I was being kept with like... 200 cousins at the home you know I didn't know about proper nutrition and it's just it's so many things like I work now you know I can afford everything to eat everything that I want you know I bought a car so I don't walk as much like you have to think about all these things but the first thing is yo you are so fat now like I used I used to let it get to me so much but nowadays like when somebody says it to me I'm just going to tell them like okay do you expect me to stay the same like if your life is stagnant for the past 10 years that's on you but my life is moving and my body is moving with it so thanks i guess it's just people must really just learn to not talk about other people's bodies Kawe, do you want to speak we haven't heard from you hi hi can you hear me yes we can
7: all right um I don't know. I'm not going to take uh, much of everyone's time, but I do want to share my experience in sisterhood, um, especially because I've gone through an entire journey um, with my friends, the girls at Sister Sister. I think um, they can testify they've watched me grow. Um, and it's been a really, it's been a really, I, I, I don't know, it's been a really refreshing experience to have female friendships that have not only been informative but also been a safe space um i think for the most part this year i remember talking to anita about how i had sex and um how it was with my partner and things like that and you know for a long time you know as you're growing up as a woman in in our society you expect someone to judge you to shame you to say certain things and the first thing she asked me is are do you enjoy it? are you okay how do you find it she asked about me and that in itself i don't know if she saw it at the time but i really wanted to cry um but i knew that like i have a safe space with these women i can i can go to them and they will listen to me um they don't see my flaws and they don't they, they don't see my flaws and want to tear me down because that's what you're taught you're taught that women will see a weakness and you don't want to tear you down women will hurt you the 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 very I think this is very silly, but the the idea that is spread about female friendships is that, oh, women are your competition and that um, you can't trust women and women don't like each other, which is so untrue. I have not experienced that. Um, but I think having that safe space has really even helped me grow. It's helped me explore parts of my personality that I didn't know I could explore. It's helped me openly set my boundaries. It's helped me, um, it's helped me cope with difficult situations. I know that I can run to any of the girls and they'll open their arms and I, I can stay and I don't even have to explain why I'm crying. I can cry. I can, you know, I can just, I can vent. Um, and I know that and I'm, I'm happy to be that space for them as well. So I can't, I can't emphasize how much having a safe space with sisters is. I can't emphasize how important and how refreshing and how nurturing and how inspiring and how beautiful it is. Just that that's from my personal experience and I just I love you guys so much. So yeah.
2: Aww. Aww. Oh you <laughs> too. We love you too. We <laughs> love
4: you. I know. Yeah, but also, you know, coming off of what Kawa is saying, um, with like just having a safe space and feeling like the people around you genuinely want what's best for you. I don't know if there's others who've gone through like who maybe have more than one friend group where they they speak openly about sex i've had more than one where it's a bit different because for one side like or maybe one friend group they will give like advice around sex or sexual advice but in line with maybe like pleasing your partner like especially like pleasing men so they'll give you advice on you should do better try this this will make your partner do this and i felt like it's it's a very common thing so like you find women who speak about sex but sometimes you find that everything will be like so male-centered and that can also like influence your sex life very negatively because every time you're sitting and you're talking about sex like there's no one asking you what works for you And also, for the longest time, you'll feel like there's something wrong with you until you can find friends who tell you, oh, yeah penetrative sex doesn't just work for me as well and then you're like oh so there's nothing wrong with me and i feel like a lot of people have spoken to about this like went through phases for for the longest time where they thought something was wrong because it just wasn't doing it for them and they struggled and struggled just to like get an orgasm or something and then when they found someone who said okay yeah for me it has to be more than just penetrative sex and then they're like oh okay so I feel like it's also very important to like differentiate which which friend friend group you you have especially when we're speaking about sex because sometimes it's not just enough to to speak openly about sex or even just give advice sometimes it's looking out for the friends that want the best for you, including like with your sex life it's not enough that they give you advice on on oh try this and like for me it's it won't even like work for me i don't want to to get advice about how it will only work better for my partner or whoever i'm having sex with at the time i want friends who will tell me okay so you know what when you're feeling uncomfortable in this position lift your leg like this and you feel better yeah of course i still want to know what they do and what what they think drives their partner crazy or what their partner likes or what positions because, yeah, I'm having sex with someone else. I also want to please them. But I've often found with women and with different friendship groups I've been in, most of them are very centered around what what will please the other person and not really about you and how your experience with sex is. And that's the same with, like, people advising you on, like, what other things to try, what toys you could try. Have you ever even tried toys? Have you brought toys in your in, – in, like have you brought it into your sex life how is that working most of these things we hear from our friends so yeah i feel like it plays a very very huge role
3: oh yeah um and just to add on before um v can speak um reminds me of um a certain conversation i was speaking to like a group of people on like um sexualities and stuff so when i spoke about asexuality This woman, it was like, you could even see, um, like a light bulb come on, although it was not her experience, but she said she has a friend and this friend has been married for many years, like over 15, I think it was 20 or something. And she does not like sex at all. You know, like they have tried everything, um, They've they've advised her like maybe, you know, the husband should romance her. She should drink this, she should drink that. And they just, they, they gave her like so many options, but they never even considered that maybe she's an asexual person. Like she does not like sex in that way, you know? And so she said, maybe that's what um, our friend is. And this is something we have, that has never even crossed our minds. And this was like an away order woman. So I said, this is not something that has crossed our minds. And then a man (laughs) got up and was like, or rather raised his hand to speak and was like, but do they have children? How did they make those children and what? And so I was just like, you know, she's married, it's expected of her, you know, she probably just lays there and just accepts it or takes it and whatever because it's the husband and everything but like having a group that is sex positive and that is concerned with how you respond and how you feel about sex and will give you different options will also help you realize that you know what maybe sex is not for you maybe sex with men is not for you and all these other avenues that you can freely explore once they um make those options available to you so yeah um, we can have Ikawa V speak. I hope that's the correct pronunciation.
10: Yeah, you got it right. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Um, I just want to... Uh, I've been listening from the beginning and everything you guys have been saying is so relatable. Um, I've been lucky to have a friend that encompasses almost everything you guys are saying although it took a while for us to get there um i remember when i first started having sex it was very weird uh i didn't have an orgasm for 6 months and i thought that was the way things were supposed to be there was nobody to talk to and i couldn't you know that taboo of talking about it was so rampant and there was nobody to talk to, there was nobody to relate to it and I was on my own. So I, I've always been a shy person and when I do not know something, I either go to Google or I read about it. And so I went to Google, the reason why I was not having orgasms and <laughs> I learned a lot and i tried you know most of the things i read and it took a while almost a year before i was finally able to have an orgasm and then it was kind of smooth sailing from there but it was also somehow because most of the people i was having sex with did not really Understand how the female body worked. They just assumed that when they came, I came too. And it wasn't making any sense. And I just went along with it because I did not know better. And sometimes the person I was dating at the time, we could have sex like in a week, probably like three or four times. And I would come maybe twice. And I thought it was normal because finally I was having orgasm. So that was it. But then it took it took a while before I met my friend, she's my best friend, and we st- it, it it was awkward at first, very awkward when we first started talking about it. But after a while, you know, we became more comfortable and we started sharing our experiences and talking about things, reading, asking other people, and It became more, a lot of things started making sense, you know? And um, there's something that someone mentioned about uh, going to the pharmacy and this taboo about getting the morning after pill and birth control. And, you know, it was hard. There is this, uh, I live in Nigeria, and there is this. A taboo around you going to get condoms or um, birth control pills. The pharmacists they look at you like you're a whore or a loose person. There's this judgmental look on their face. They you're like, oh, you want to buy a condom? shall <clears throat> that's a term for a prostitute, and you know that that that, that fear. That shame was always there. And, um, you know, there are so many things I did not know that it took me a long time to learn about how my body works, about my menstrual cycle, ovulation, how it affects my weight, the way I respond to sex, Um, you know, so many things. Like, my friend, she has been, like, my rock We've saved each other so many times when it comes to these things, you know, reading, asking questions, you know, n- creating this community of people who understand the fact that you do not need to be shamed when you're talking about sex, you know, sexual positions, things that make you come, things that you enjoy, but not just like someone said, what just makes a guy, happy although yes it's good to you know have open communication with the person you're having sex with so you know what turns them on what makes them come but you also have to put yourself first I I started doing that about three years ago I I started to put myself first what makes me come what do I enjoy in bed and to be honest ever since I started doing that I've been enjoying sex like crazy it's been amazing Seriously amazing and I am so happy I decided to put myself first. I consider my partner's needs, but I also put myself first. You know, I, I learned my body, how my body works, what I respond to, the things that make me um how do I put it more responsive, the things that that I like, you know, what, what I like, what I want to explore. And I feel we as women should explore as much as possible, read, um, ask questions, challenge the current. Uh, how do I put it? Uh, I'm not sure of the word. Is it mis- I don't think misconception is the right word. But you know the way you know, people always say it's the way things are. It should not be that way someone mentioned something about having a space for younger girls who are just having sex who have questions if these things are readily available with less judgment, you would see it would help so many people i had a friend in high school who died because She'd been having sex, and she got pregnant, and she didn't know what to do, and she went to have an abortion, and she died. And it was crazy, because this was something that could have been avoided. But the whole, um, what what we learned growing up was that sex was bad, and, you know, getting caught having sex was worse than, I don't know, stealing or something. There was this shame, this taboo around it, and... It was so bad. I mean, she she should not have died. She was 16. She should not have died. It was so... so uh, unnecessary. If there was someone that could have spoken to her, talked to her, helped her, she... I mean... It, uh, And then having someone to talk to about your sexual partners, like someone said earlier, it influences who you date. Um, before I started talking to my friend about sex, I I would just date the guy because oh he's cute and that was it. But then she told me that I needed to be more open. I needed to tell. The person what i wanted because i would just lie there and you know it would go on <laughs> but she 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 told she taught me so many things we we discussed and it, it's so amazing there is this i know i'm rambling but there is this um freedom this joy that comes when you have someone to share these experiences with like each time I tell her oh I got laid she'd be like oh my god how was it and did you come what did you do what questions and we would ask each other and maybe if she feels something off about her body she would tell me and if I've experienced something before I would tell her and like that and it's been an amazing journey we've been friends for eight years and it's been such a wonderful thing this this sisterhood that we have, that it makes it easy to to share and learn and, you know, be comfortable in your sexuality because you know that, yeah, if something happens, there is someone that I can fall back on, there is someone that has my back that will listen to me, that can help me to overcome certain things there was a time I I had a yeast infection and I did not know what was going on the first time I had a yeast infection I I had no idea what was going on I was just scared because I I couldn't tell anyone and so I called her and I told her that oh this is what I'm experiencing and she was like oh it's a yeast infection I'm like what is that and she was like can you google it and I did and then I came back and she was like yeah so this she took me to a pharmacy I usually went to and they prescribed medication for me and I was fine. And, you know, each time it's, it's there is a new thing each of us learns that's happened to either one of us before or someone else. We have this group of friends and then we talk about it. And if someone has experienced it before, the person gives tips. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And when I saw the notification for this space, uh, I think was it last week? Yeah, last week. I, I shared it to her. I think she's here. I shared it to her and she was so happy because this this is something I feel should be done more often, widely, not there is this taboo and shame, especially about women's sexuality that is they feel women should not talk about sex. women should not um, uh, what's the word? They shouldn't be sexual
2: beings.
1: Hello? Is it just me? I think we lost her. I can't hear her anymore. Yeah, she seems to have dropped out. I think she's... I'm so sorry. Um, If you can come back, please come back and request the mic. But... You know, like something of what she was saying and something that Tendai said before, right? On how, like having friends when you, like how the conversation is so centered on male pleasure and having friendships that are also very centered on male pleasure. It reminds me of how, I don't know about everyone else, but I learned what a blowjob was before I ever thought of what oral sex for women was, what do they even call oral sex for women? Is there even a term for it, right? Like, I I mean. Oh, yeah, I oh. No, I mean, yes, I mean, that's not the scientific word, but you know, there's like, oh, like but what do we like slang
3: or something? Yeah, yeah yes, does like what's
4: the... I'd like to know.
1: Like, pussy-eating, but it's not as, you know, whereas, like, thing is a bit more creative, it's not like that. But which is just, I don't know, I think it's just so sucky in how society sort of just pushes that. And that's why it's so important, right, that even in our friendships that sometimes, you know, where you could be in a group of people of where everyone is a bit conservative. Sometimes it also starts with you. You could be that sex-positive friend, right? Be the Samantha of the friend group. Go watch Sex in the City. But be the Samantha of the friend group. And, like, the one thing I loved about Samantha, and I always saying one guy is my Samantha, in how, like, if you watch Sex in the City, if, like, any of them went and said anything to Samantha, like, oh... I did this. Samantha would be like, "Oh, that sounds fun. Like Samantha was that friend you went to and spoke to about sex and would never judge you or make you feel like shit. Right. And there's been like an episode where I think Carrie tells her that she's having an affair with someone. I can't even remember. And Carrie is like, don't you feel like judging me? And Samantha is like, it's not my style. Like it just isn't. And I think that's what we can be also for like our friends. Just be that open space. Sometimes you won't understand it. Like there are certain sex things you won't understand, certain sex things you'll never be into. But just because you'll never be into them doesn't mean you should make your friends feel horrible for being into them, you know? Like just be that safe space. Your friend comes to you and says, listen, I want to go and have an orgy. It's not your thing but your thing as a friend saying, ooh, who do you want to do it with? Uh, is a group safe? Are you going to use contraceptives? What's like, how is it going to go like, right? Just be that friend that's supportive because you just never know. Like something that Ekpa was saying about how like the 16-year-old girl like went and had an abortion without like, you know, having like proper information or help from people Honestly, I was I always get scared at the idea that that could have been me too when I was younger. if I like if I had slipped up, had gotten pregnant at some point I at I said having sex at seventeen at seventeen, 18 19 20 21 until like 21 22 somewhere there in all those years, if I had gotten pregnant, I wouldn't have known who to go to for an abortion you know. I would have I didn't know about Mary Stops I didn't know about all these other places I didn't even know abortion was legal in Zambia like I didn't even know what type of abortion methods were there but now I have friends where if I said guys I'm pregnant like the first thing they'd obviously ask is like are we happy about it or are we about to visit Mary Stops and if I said let's visit Mary Stops everyone would like clear the schedule and say, okay, uh, which day are we going? Uh, like, you know, people will probably even say, okay, we'll sleep over. We'll take turns to take care of you. We'll cook for you. Like, I'm pretty sure my friends would buy me. You just had an abortion cake, <laughs> but it's, it's just having that, right? Just being able to have the type of community that's going to be there for you. And sometimes it takes right? And so don't feel pressured or don't feel bad and feeling like, oh, I don't have that. It also took us like a really long time, right? And also, it also starts with you. And the older you grow, the more open-minded you are and the more you get to know yourself. And specifically in situations of like sex and body, you it's much easier to like give compassion and show compassion to people when you needed it yourself and never had it at some point. So I feel like it's it's just like it's it's cool and honestly even when you are the open person, you you have to feel super cool knowing that you're the person that people always feel very comfortable to talk to about sex to ask questions because they know you're not about to judge them. They know you're not the one that's going to laugh at them. They know like guys, like I don't know, I know so many people's sex stories on Twitter. I don't remember their names or their handles because, you know that if you talk to this person, it is just going to die there. Like it would die in the DMs. It will die in that conversation and it will not go anywhere, right? And I think that's so important. So yeah, find your tribe. Find your sisterhood. Like there is power. Guys, if I could preach any day, every day about sisterhood, I really would. Society will literally tell you stay away from women because they know the type of influence and the type of power and the type of things that women can achieve when they work together, when they do brilliant things together. I think we should start wrapping up this thing. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow, so I'm trying to bake a cupcakes. Uh, Tindai and Mwangi, do you guys have anything to say?
0: Um,
3: yeah, Mwangi, you can go oh no it's fine
4: <laughs> okay i think in closing I would just like echo what you've said like the power of sisterhood or just friendships genuine friendships is really understated and we need to start thinking about our friends or start uh, equating our friends to our summits more and when we do that we'll just be more open and not be so afraid because we've been told constantly that we should always be wary of the women around us and the friends we shouldn't share certain information no don't share your sex lives in detail with your friends because they'll snatch whoever it is who's that you're sleeping with at the time you know all these ridiculous things and so if we if we really want to experience genuine friendship we just have to firstly be genuine friends and hope that we find ourselves in spaces with people that appreciate us and love us. Yeah.
3: Mongi,
1: um, do you have anything
3: closing? Um, I think I'm just going to echo what everybody has said and how important this space has been. Um, we're so lucky that we have this sisterhood where we can really talk about anything and i hope that everybody in here can start cultivating such spaces for them and um if you feel you can't have that space our dms are always open no judgment you can you know as unsaid um whatever you would tell us whatever you you sent to sister, sister will stay there and nobody else is going to see it. So yeah. And I hope that before today, if you're not somebody who has been in charge of your sex life and your pleasure, I hope that this space has been um, like a driving influence for you to just go out there and start putting yourself first in every area of your life. And If we don't speak again before the new year, happy holidays to everybody.
1: Yeah. Um, Also, I just want to mention how, for those of you who sort of like don't know us and stumbled on this space, like because of the tweet or something. So we, um, we founded an organization, right? It's a feminist organization called Sister Sister Foundation. And we... Focus around, like, uh, sexual reproductive health rights, sexual gender-based violence, and we throw a lot of parties. <laughs> we love parties, honestly. It's, like, our literally favorite thing to do. And, like, the main theme of everything we do is creating safe spaces, right? And so part of, like, what we want to start doing next year, because we're based in Zambia, and just to be more inclusive of different people, is that we are starting our like sister-sister podcast, right? And don't worry, this is like, even though we're an organization, we're like an organization of young women who are super feminist, who are radical as fuck. So we, and we're, we don't like pander to like a traditional NGO type of thing. We like make the rules as we go on, right? And so we're creating like a podcast where we'll be talking about stuff like this, like sex, we'll be talking about feminism, about sisterhood, about family and things like that. Just basic feminist topics that you would like to learn about and like to know. And because Twitter is doing this weird thing where we can't really promote like links um, If you go to our Instagram, which is just sister, sister foundation, sister, sister, like it's S-I-S-T-A-H and the same spelling again, S-I-S-T-A-H foundation. If you're wondering about the spelling, like we spell it sister in, in how, in the meaning of black women, right? The American spelling of how to spell black women or how they call black women, right? and not in the er that is yeah but because we're a black organization but yeah so we'll be starting like a podcast and so uh if you check our instagram in our bio we have a link and we should have like i think we're going to we're going to put this episode this like space on the podcast as like our first bonus episode then we'll actually start having like episodes coming out in january and then uh, if you're looking for something more sex-centered, I have, like, a feminist podcast. And even the space will also be on it. It's called Casting with the Feminist Switches. And, guys, we talk about everything on sex. So it's, like, everywhere. Like, you can find us on – what do they call Apple Podcasts? What do they call – you know, it's me, me and iPhone. The iPodcast thing, you find us on Spotify literally almost every – Platform, so it's called Casting with the Famous Witches. You're going to learn how to eat ass, you learn how to fucking cheese and fucking chickens too. Now I'm, now I'm going to hell for it, but yeah, just back to the topic is find friendships, right? Create friendships, create bonds with people who don't judge you, who don't make you feel sh- like shit. You know, um, uh, give yourself grace also. And even as you like explore sex, remember that sex is something uh what's not something uh that should happen to you, but something you should be a part of and you should enthusiastically consent to it, right? Like guys, sex can be so much fun and it can be so enjoyable. Like, just make sure you're also very much in control of how you want sex to be like, right? So I always encourage this for those who've listened to my spaces before. Those know, I would say create a sex checklist. Like, go and create a checklist. Like, oh, you know, when you fuck in a car, you're like, oh, done. I fucked in a car. Uh, when you like, you know, fuck in a tree, which I haven't yet done, you're like, oh, I fucked in a tree you know, when you do an orgy, when you do a threesome, like, go for things that excite you, right? And you'll find that you actually enjoy sex so much that by the time you reach my level of being a pillow princess, you'll (laughs) you'll feel like you've done the work. But that's the sort of thing. So, like, explore sex on your terms. (laughs) Yeah, explore sex on your terms. Have fun with it. You know, speak to people about it. Don't feel, like, don't, let the world's shame like enter your vagina like no you only have one j- vagina like i always say like i joke about it but if i could relive my life i wish i had said having sex when i was like 16 or 15 and not that i am encouraging people to start having sex at 16 or 15 but that's for me and i wished i had more liberal friends and i wished i had just enjoyed sex more because in the very beginning of my life of my sex journey, I I treated sex with shame because of where I came from and my religious background. And so I really didn't enjoy the first four years of me having sex, right? But the last six years, yo, they have been great. And they've been great because of the communities I surrounded myself with, of the people I surrounded myself with. So in like how you know you have like great friends is think of the most shocking thing not illegal not horrible but most shocking thing and if you went and told your friends like guys i had like five guys run a train on me and if your friends judge you if your friends make you feel like shit then maybe it's time to start looking for safe spaces but if your friends are like you tell us what happens if they laugh and they're more concerned like oh did you consent to this do you guys use protection are you okay then that's a safe space that's a really good safe space so friends like sex positive friends are good for your sex life they are good for your body for your mental health you sleep better at night knowing that your little sex adventures are kept in this community and they're not going out there and if they were going out there they're going out there in a positive light you know they're not going out in a judgmental way so yeah just also be very kind to yourselves and remember that just because I could be talking about how I'm having this great sex life I'm also, like, in a very different position, right, from you. So, I've had experience. I live in my own home. I provide for myself financially. So, it's not like I live with my parents and I have to be sneaking out and, you know, I have to be, you know, having sex in, like, shady lodges because I've had my shady lodges moment, right? So, just, yeah, just be nice to yourself, be kind to yourself and take Take sex and life like one day at a time. It gets I better. I have a question. We... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> please <don't wear> go. <laughs> I
0: was
3: <18. laughs> No, I just I just wanted to find out if like there were bed bags or anything.
0: like <laughs> 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 <own> for that. <laughs> How
1: shady! No, there were no bed bugs. No, there were no bed bugs, guys. It was. In you know what, like remember how like I'm your bougie friend. So imagine what shady means for me as your bougie friend. <laughs> yes, but there were no bed bugs. But anyway, guys, good night, and thank you so much for being in this space with us. Hope you have a great night. Hope you. Have an amazing new year. Honestly, I hope you create those sex lists. I hope 2023 is just this beautiful, beautiful feminist great year. I hope you like ACO exams. Hope you get that job. Hope you move out. Hope you make that money. Hope you grow. Hope you get more orgasms. Hope you find the love of your life. Hope you find the fuck of your life. Hope you have someone run a train on you. Hope you have those threesomes. Hope you have those same-sex relationships. Hope you have a woman eat you out for the first time. Hope you have someone give you a golden shower. Really, just wish you guys the best.
0: Good night.